0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That gospel lesson which the Holy Spirit inspired the apostles Matthew and Mark to write for our comfort and our learning will serve as the basis for today's sermon, and we place special emphasis on these words. Yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. Let none who wait on you be ashamed. Amen. The Holy Spirit teaches us today how Jesus creates a firm, steadfast faith in our hearts in him. And as with all things that Christ does for our salvation, it defies our understanding. As the scripture says, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. How can such trust come about? We are accustomed, in our flesh by nature, to trust in our own emotions, our own thinking, our own decisions, our own experience. And so it certainly cannot be that such trust in Jesus comes about by our own powers and will and intellect. Rather, we learn in Mark's account of the Canaanite woman that Jesus was hiding himself in a house and didn't want anyone to know where he was. It was like he was trying to take a vacation in the pleasant regions of Tyre and Sidon where all the world's luxuries came. But then Mark says, but he could not be hidden. He could not be hidden. What, why couldn't Jesus be hidden? What uncovered Jesus? A woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. Heard about him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is the word that creates our faith and the word alone. The Holy Holy Spirit uses no other means to give life, to create, strengthen, and perfect faith in us. But god lets his word be attacked and appear silent or terrifying or insulting to us he meets us in the midst of trial and temptation in the midst of pain and a war against our our own sins and against the devil and he seems to ignore us condemn us and care very little about us if at all it is in these times that faith must cling only to the word of god and faith will be strengthened when we let all things go except the blessing that we seek from the gospel, the good news that God is merciful to poor sinners because of his Son. Jesus is hidden in the Word. You will not find him anywhere else. And he does not want to be found anywhere else. Jesus is not a creation of men. What people think about Jesus isn't necessarily who he is. People say all kinds of things about Jesus. In the 19th century, there was this quest, which has needed into the 20th century, and become something of a, of a joke, uh, in a scholarly way, of defining the real Jesus, the historical Jesus, as if we couldn't believe in any of his miracles or anything like that. Thomas Jefferson, you remember, maybe you remember, he edited the New Testament, kept all of what he thought were good moral adages, and took out all of the miracles. And so he made Jesus into what he wanted him to be. When he saw something, when people see something that boggles their own understanding, they tend to say, I don't want that. I will create a different God, a different Jesus to trust him. But Jesus hides himself only in his word, and you will only find him there. You will not find him anywhere else. Even when the Canaanite woman runs to meet Jesus and interrupts what seems to be his vacation with a cry of, Oh, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus is silent to her. She prays the prayer of the church. Kyrie eleison. we just saying it. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And there is no answer. So many, when they hear about Jesus, don't trouble themselves to go see him as this poor woman did. Not many mighty, not many wise, according to the flesh, are called. People reject the call, they don't care about the word because they don't see their need for jesus but this woman she saw her need her daughter was possessed by a devil she had lost the capacity to control her own mind and body this poor gentile mother saw the devil at work in her daughter that she was captive to obey the father of lies and so her daughter had no love for her own mother at all but only pain and misery to give her She saw this woman, who knew by nature that children are blessings from God, who had rejoiced when that baby was born, just like Emma and Rachel rejoiced this past week and a half, to see this baby born, that a human being was brought into the world. She saw this joy of hers in the devil's power. And as she saw the devil's power in her own life, ruining what was good, and no one could help her. People went on by. Tyre and Sidon were known for the making of purple and shipping it all around and so they brought in the world's luxuries from all over the world. People were buying and selling and building and doing all the things that they do. For all their progress and pleasure of the world, they could offer this woman no help at all. She couldn't help herself. When she heard about Jesus, she heard good news, the word gospel means good news, good message. She heard of the son of David, who was promised to save Israel. She heard that he was merciful to poor sinners, that he had power over sickness and devils. And that is what she needed. And faith was born in her heart from hearing this word of Jesus. Confidence that there is a man who can help her, who can give her daughter what she needs, freedom from sin and the devil. so she followed this word she heard. She had never seen Jesus. She follows this word to Jesus, just as the wise men followed the star, and the virgins in Song of Songs run after the fragrance of Solomon, who was anointed. So this poor mother smells mercy in the word about Jesus, the sweetest smell her conscience and heart and mind have ever heard. She runs after it. Faith follows the word to Jesus. But then what does faith find? Jesus is silent to her. He doesn't say anything to her. He seems to be ignoring her. How do you think that feels for the woman? Or perhaps you know how it feels, when days and nights of anxious thought nor help nor counsel yet had brought, when you ask for something that you know you need, and God doesn't answer. You. We know how that feels. And David gives an expression to that feeling in the words of Psalm 28. To you will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. When Jesus doesn't answer, it feels like we are like one of those who go down into the pit. When God seems silent to us, it feels like we are in death. In the grave, where there is no remembrance of God. In hell, where we feel no goodness of God. It is like Israel at the Red Sea, where God brought them there. And they have water to drown them in front of them. And Pharaoh's army behind them to kill and enslave them. And yet God's word had brought them there. And at this moment, many lose faith, as many in Israel did. The flesh cannot tolerate to see danger to itself. It despairs of all hope. But that is why the flesh must be ignored, and the word must be clung to. That is why we need a baptism that drowns hard-hearted Pharaoh, and brings Israel through. The flesh despairs of the devil being cast out, of Pharaoh being defeated, but the word promises that he will be. And so Jesus' silence doesn't deter the woman. She still has the word she heard about him, that he is merciful. And these words are sweeter than Jesus' silence is bitter. She keeps crying after Jesus, following the scent of his mercy that his gospel has given her. She knows it's there. The word has told her that help is there. And so she ignores Jesus' silence and cries out all the more, Lord, have mercy. Now what could keep her crying out, yelling at a man who had just ignored her? How would you feel when someone gives you the silent treatment refuses to talk to you, how does it feel to you? Especially someone from whom you're expecting good. Perhaps we've done it ourselves. Most of us, in our pride, would say, fine. You don't want to talk to me? I won't talk to you. Go ahead. I tried. But the sweet fragrance of the word that this woman heard keeps her crying out after him. She needed Jesus. She needed him. She didn't stop needing him when he was silent to her and so she followed the word to jesus and she stayed where the word pointed her and she did not leave she waited as the psalm says i wait for the lord my soul doth wait and in his word do i hope she didn't regard jesus silence as even being relevant the word that created faith in her only increased her curious lord have mercy Now, the disciples tell Jesus to send her away because she kept yelling at Jesus. And we know that they wanted Jesus to do something for her, since Jesus Jesus replies, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, I'm not going to help her. It seems, seems to be saying that. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This woman is a Canaanite, a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth. She's not supposed to even be there. Her ancestors did horrible, horrible things that can't even be spoken of. And they were supposed to be wiped out in God's judgment by Israel, but somehow her ancestors had survived. The kingdoms of Dan and Asher hadn't done their work and had become comfortable with the riches of Tyre and Sidon. And so now she lives. She's alive. Now, when you see these words, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, we have to note a few things. First of all, even the disciples can't help her. What about God's promises? If two or three of you are gathered together and agree in anything, agree to ask for something they agree on, it will be done for them. Jesus promised that. And what about, whatever you ask, if you believe it will be yours, and ask and it shall be given. She has asked, and the disciples have asked. And now Jesus replies with this saying that appears to reject the woman entirely. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This seems to say that Jesus was not sent for the woman. And yet Jesus doesn't say that. He only teaches the truth that he has sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He doesn't say that she is not one of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah. But what would our reason conclude? What would our understanding conclude? It would rush to conclude that I am not one of those Jesus was sent to help Israel has physical descendants. I'm not a physical descendant. And that is how reason reason concludes things. Now, Luther says about Jesus' words here. This is a beautiful description of this. I mean, it's it's accurate description. What do you think? Is that not a thunderbolt that dashes both heart and faith into a thousand pieces, when we feel that God's word on which we build was not spoken to us, but applies only to others? Here all saints and in intercession are at a standstill, and the heart must abandon the word, if it would stick with its own perceptions, if it would stick with its own perceptions. But this woman does not stick with her own perceptions. She has a need, and she has the word. The gospel she heard cannot possibly contradict the words that Jesus spoke. Trial has taught her to be a very good theologian, better than many who have hammered their heads On the doctrine of election whom God chose and they've lost their faith in God and his mercy by trying to figure out why some are saved and others aren't but this woman knows a very simple principle that every child of God knows even to the youngest she knows that the scripture cannot be broken that flesh may fail but the word of our God stands forever that heaven and earth will pass away but the words that give her faith in God's mercy will by no means pass away it is impossible Jesus' words to her for, to, uh, about the lost sheep of the house of Israel could contradict the words of mercy that she heard about Jesus. She doesn't yet know how it works together, but she knows that it can't be a contradiction. She knows it. And so she waits with the word. She doesn't give up, she doesn't stick with her own perceptions clings to the word even though it is being forcefully torn out of her heart. She does not turn away from his stern answer, but still trusts that his goodness is still behind it. She still does not think that Christ is or can be ungracious. Those are Luther's words as well. So true. Amazing thing. This is what Isaiah says about God. These mysterious words. Truly, you are a God who hide yourself, O God of Israel, the Savior. It is precisely when God hides himself from us that he shows Israel that he is their Savior. This is true of all God's works. We see creation, but we can't find God as our friend in it, though he made it. So what we see doesn't exactly help us, does it? And yet God hides himself in mortal flesh and blood, so that we must find the eternal, infinite God, not in outward and bright glory, but in the darkness that covered Christ's suffering on the cross, in mortal flesh and blood. And so God hides all of his will and love for us in his word, so that we must look to it as our only light on the path that leads us to Christ. And this woman followed the word, as Mark says. She follows it into the house where Jesus is staying interrupts his peace and quiet, falls down on his knees, and says, Lord, help me. But her trial is not yet over. He slaps her right in her sore, wounded heart, and says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. He insults her. She is a dog, not worthy to share in the children's bread. What can she say to this? She's been ignored. She's been excluded. Now she's been insulted. He has asserted that she is damned and lost, not numbered among the elect, and worthy of nothing that he has come to give. At least it seems so to reason. What does he do? Or what does she do? She has ignored his silence when he didn't talk to her. She has ignored his saying that he was not sent to her, but she does not ignore these words. She latches on to the words that insult her, that call her a dog, and tell her she is unworthy. She embraces that insult, but uses it to claim Christ as her own. Yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Even the little dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Do you see what she has done here? Luther calls it a masterpiece. It is. is, It's a masterpiece. She holds Jesus to his word. Okay, am I a dog? Fine, I will be a dog. I am unworthy. But then you give me what even the dogs get. Give me the crumbs. I will be a dog. I know I am unworthy of anything I ask. Only you be what you have promised to be. It is impossible that you would not let the little dogs eat the crumbs. Jesus would have to be ashamed not to help her. God can do all things, but he cannot break his word. If we say, have you forgotten to be merciful, as the psalm does, then God must wake up and cease hiding himself, and show himself as he is in his word, the gracious and merciful God, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, who loved the world so that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, that he came not for the healthy, but for the sick, not to call the righteous sinners. And so she confessed herself to be a little dog. And yet shows herself to be a true child of Israel. A sheep who needs Jesus to find her and embrace her and put her daughter on his shoulders and carry her home, rejoicing. And the sheep hears her shepherd's voice. Before Jacob met Esau, who could have been on his way to kill him, Jacob stayed awake all night and wrestled with the man, as you just heard. The man finally said, as the sun was slowly rising, Let me go! He had already injured Jacob permanently with his hip. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. He's asking from this man who appears to be his enemy by all sight. They're fighting. They're wrestling. He's hurt him. He's asking him to bless him. And the man who was the Lord, because truly he is a God who hides himself... He hides himself when he saves us. He asks him, "What is your name?" And he says, "Jacob." He, rather, and he said, "Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have wrestled with God and man, and have won." Israel, Israel means God prevails. But God told Jacob that he had prevailed. Why does he give him the name God prevails when Jacob prevailed? How can this be? Because Israel held on to the Lord and would not let go until He blessed her. And so the Canaanite woman held on to Jesus in His words and would not let go until He blessed her. Israel means God prevails. And this woman is a daughter of Israel, a sheep of the house of Israel. God wins when we hold only to His Word. God wins by creating and strengthening faith so that it clings only to Christ, only to His Word, so that it must abandon our understanding, abandon what we feel, abandon our pride, admit even to being little dogs, only that we, we might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having any righteousness of our own, but the righteousness which is through faith in Christ Jesus. That is the Christian faith, and it always is god hides himself when he saves us god hides his grace from us we do not judge according to our feeling and perception and understanding but strictly and only from his word there is nothing else that gives us faith i cannot reason you into the faith as calvinists often think they do i can't give you some experience that's greater than all the entertainment that this world has to offer to you to give you faith i cannot I cannot play enough mood music to get you to make a decision that gives you faith. It is only the word, always oh, only the word, by which God created the world and said, "Let there be light," and there was light. It is only that word that changes our hearts, that increases faith in the midst of trial, so that we have, after we have lost, it seems all things, gained everything. And God's no is actually yes. Notice that. Jesus doesn't say no. Lord, have mercy. He just doesn't say anything. Jesus doesn't say that she's not one of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He just states the truth. Jesus doesn't say that she is a little dog. she takes that and says, I'll be a little dog, she gets Jesus at his word. When she sees something, when she hears the word of Jesus, that agrees with the gospel she heard, she clings to it. God's no is actually yes. It is as St. Paul says to the Corinthians and to us, for all the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in Him, amen, it shall be, to the glory of God through us. When our flesh and our hearts say no, because we are sinners, and have deserved, and have deserved the judgment that the world tries to hide, but we can't anymore, because God has shown it to us, in the commandments, and in our lives, and our flesh and our hearts say, no, the sea is in front of us, and the devil is behind us, there's no way out. When the world mocks us, when even the church doesn't seem to be able to help us, as the disciples couldn't help that woman, yet God's word always still says yes in Christ, and it always, always will. Though our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things, and he reveals all things that we need to us in his to us in his word, though there is no evidence in our own understanding. Yet the evidence, ensures certainty, are there in the gospel, hidden in our baptism, covered in bread and wine, because that is how our God saves us. He hides himself, and we see this in Jesus himself. Christ, we had a little debate. I don't know. We Lutherans are kind of crazy with traditions, right? And by crazy, we don't care all that much. You know? We use them so that they can promote the Gospel. And so there are traditions of veiling all of the crucifixes and pictures of Jesus. And there are all sorts of different traditions that contradict them. I grew up, for example, with it only on Good Friday, because the darkness was over the cross on Good Friday. For three hours, the sun hid its light. And some put it right at the beginning of Lent, like we did on Ash Wednesday. And some started at Judica, two Sundays before Easter. I don't know. What should we do? We can do whatever we want. But there is something that we should, re- we should consider in this tradition. It is that God hides himself, so that he might be found by those who need him. God hides himself from our reason, so that we might reject our reason and trust in God and not in our own understanding. God hides himself from our flesh, so that our flesh may die in its despair, so that we might live with Israel. God hides himself in suffering and pain. He hides himself in his mercy on the cross. Psalm 22 is David prophesying the words of Jesus on the cross. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God forsook Jesus and hid himself from him to save us. That is why. He says, I cry to you and you do not hear, just as this woman cried and Jesus didn't answer her. And so he had to hear silence from the God whom he loved. (laughs) He obeyed the law of God and prayed to Him in time of need. And yet, so that we might be answered, He was not heard. He says, Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and were delivered. But I am a worm and no man, reproach of men and despised by the people. So He had nothing upon which to base His love for God, upon which to base His hope of resurrection, except for the word that God had taught Him in our place, so that, as Hebrews says, he learned obedience through suffering. And he obeyed God, and was obedient all the way to death, death on the cross. And this is no mere example for us, although that is what it is. This is our salvation. When you see your sins that have risen above you, so that they are more than the hairs of your head, as the psalm says, when you see darkness around you in the world that offers no hope, and the pleasures of life have become stale, and the fragrance rotting, Then you must catch the scent that this Canaanite woman caught, and smell the the sweet-smelling aroma of the cross and sacrifice of Jesus' innocent and holy sufferings and death. Follow that scent in the gospel, and you will find the power of God over the devil, the mercy of God that expels your sins from you and removes them from you as far as the east is from the west, the love of God. That no matter how much you show him of your sin, he will show you more grace and mercy. The hope of God dines in the darkness and the worst suffering and raises you up from dead works to cry out to him until he answers, Lord, have mercy. What is the word that Jesus was caught in? It's when he showed us that, when he showed that woman that she was a sinner, reminded her. And so we catch Jesus when we confess that we are sinners. I'll be a dog. I'll be a little unworthy dog. I am not worthy of any of the least of these mercies which God has given to me as Israel, Jacob told Pharaoh. I don't deserve my life. I don't deserve my wife and my children. I don't deserve such a loving congregation. I don't deserve the peace we have in this country. I don't deserve that any sin or evil should be removed from me. I deserve to be a little dog, and yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. We sing today in the hymn, Thy blood, O Lord, one drop has power to win forgiveness for the world and all her sin. One little word of God is more powerful than all the wisdom of men. One little word of God parted the Red Sea and drowned Pharaoh. One little word of God made that sinner into a saint today. And that word of God is what calls us, so that we follow Jesus through trials and tribulations. And we do not give up. We do not give up because Jesus did not give up for us. He followed that path, that lonely way, all the way into the darkness of your life. There is nothing that you have been afraid of, nothing that you have gone through. No devil, no evil, no sin that you have fallen into. That Jesus does not live and die to rescue you from. He shows us his mercy. It is found when we become beggars, sinners who will not stop crying Kyrie and Lord have mercy until Jesus blesses us. And it is when we conquer Jesus that he conquers us. When he conquers us that we conquer Jesus. He shows us that his word is true and that we can rely upon it in every need Call upon him in in the day of trouble, and he will surely answer us. Amen.